Good morning, church. Welcome to City Church. If you're new to City Church, my name is Justin. I'm the lead pastor. I want to take a moment. Welcome Hartford. Welcome Bridgeport. Welcome Middletown. And with all of our hearts, can we welcome North Campus? Good morning, North Haven Campus. God bless you. So excited. There have been people, I'm not even exaggerating, working around the clock at our North Campus, getting it ready for today. And so welcome to City Church. This might be a little weird for you if you're at North Campus. You're like, why is there a guy on a screen? City Church is one church that meets in five different locations, and we're seeing God do a great work all across the state of Connecticut and beyond. And so we're excited that you're a part of it today, excited to be a part of it ourselves, and I just want to say welcome, and God bless you. Today's an exciting day for me. I get to share just something that's been burning on my heart. We try to leave a few weeks throughout the year that are not planned and not prepared. And there are weeks where I can just really share what God's been stirring in me or what he's been doing in me. And so next week we start this big series that will go for six weeks called This Story Is Me, where we're looking at the parables of Jesus. We're very excited about that. But today we're going to be in Ephesians chapter three. Ephesians chapter three, I want to share with you what I believe is one of the great truths for the follower of Christ. One of the most important truths for a follower of Jesus to deeply understand. I also believe it's one of the most forgotten truths, one of the most forgotten truths in our culture and in our day in faith. And so I'm excited to share this with you today. And uh, I really believe that God's going to do something in your heart today that will shift the course of your life. I really believe that. And I know that for me personally, this particular word I'm sharing is one that has been really changing my life, changing my life in a really personal, really deep way over the last six months especially. So I'm excited to share it. Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. Are you ready? Oh, that was not very encouraging. Okay, all right. Can you turn to someone around you? Just give them a big smile. Even if you don't have nice teeth, just do it. It doesn't matter. Just, there you go. Yeah, that's nice. Okay, Ephesians chapter three, verse 16. It says this, that according to the riches of his glory... He, that's God, may grant you to be strengthened with, what's that next word? With power through his spirit in your inner being. Look at it one more time. This is Paul's prayer. He says that according to the riches of God's glory, he may strengthen you, he may grant you, read the verse in front of you, Justin, to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Being. Title of today's sermon is Help Me Connect. Help Me Connect. Help Me Connect. Would you bow your head at all of our locations and pray with me today? Let's just open up our heart to God's word. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the chance and the privilege today to gather in many different locations all across this region, worship Jesus, exalt your name, and study the Bible. God, I know that this truth can transform our lives. So I'm asking you in Jesus' name, open up our hearts, open up my heart. Write this truth on my soul in a deeper and more substantive way than I've ever experienced it before. I welcome you, Holy Spirit, now to do a work of eternity in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 I was recently um, on a flight to, uh, to Florida. Not too many flights going into Florida these days, but this is a little while ago. So be praying, by the way, for Florida and for everything that's happening there. And don't forget about Houston. And we're still planning to organize a trip. Let's be active in the, in the needs of our world. Hopefully you're following those stories, praying and being a part of any solution you can be a part of. But this is going back a few months. I was on a flight from Hartford to Jacksonville. And so I'm on my way there and I booked a, a ticket, you know, using Expedia or Travelocity or one of those various different, uh, different ticket booking 
agencies. And if you're like me, you're just looking for the cheapest flight and the best time. And there's always this brokering going on, right? Like, how can I get it cheap and how can I get a good time? And so I found a really good time that was pretty affordable and that was great. And uh, it was on an airlines I had never traveled on before. So I've been on Delta, I've been on Continental, I've been on American. They're pretty much all the same in my view. They're all pretty similar. But this time I was flying Spirit. Anybody ever flown Spirit before? It's cheap. It's cheap. And so I was like, oh, that's cool. You know, it's great. And so I get there and I don't know what to expect. I really hadn't thought about it much. I just booked the ticket and was moving on. And I I got on the plane and I noticed that there were no TVs on the plane, which is fine with me because I don't really watch TV on the plane anyway. So I was like, oh, there's no TVs, no big deal. And so I sit down and the first thing I noticed right after that was that my seat didn't recline. And that was like, in Jesus name, what is going on here? You know, like the seat doesn't recline. I mean, I'm six feet tall. I got legs and her kneecaps are smacking like the seat. And so I was like, that's all right. It'll be fine. No big deal. And then I, I pulled out my tray table and realized it wasn't a tray table. It was a tray tablet. You know what I mean? It was like, it's this big. I mean, it's really small, you know? And so I was like, ah, it's no big deal. And then, you know, just a few minutes in, they're like, would you like a complimentary beverage? But it wasn't a complimentary beverage. It was a $5.99 beverage. You know what I mean? And so I was like, wait a minute, there are no complimentary beverages on this flight, but I could deal with all of that. It was only a three hour flight. You can do anything for three hours, you know? And so I'm like, it's no big deal. I'll just work on some work and get some stuff done and move on. So I pull out my computer, my laptop. I put it on my lap because it couldn't fit on that tray table that they gave me. And I put it on my lap and, and this is not a, a you know, disrespect to Spirit Airlines. It was cheap. So, so I opened it up and I realized that I had forgotten to charge my battery. So I'm like, no big deal. I'll just plug it in. And then it hit me. No tray table, no reclining chair, no TVs, no complimentary beverage. I'm going to bet that there's no plug, right? And so I'm looking around and uh, I'm kind of scooching at the person next to me trying to find one. Sure enough, there is absolutely nowhere to plug in and now I'm offended. I'm like, of all the things that you would cut on a, on a plane, I just, I need somewhere to plug in, right? I have to connect. Just help me connect. Find the person nearest you that you like the most and ask them, help me connect. Help me connect. We all have this desire to connect. And in our world, we've gotten pretty used to it, right? Everywhere we go, there is the opportunity to connect. And so whether it's you're at a coffee shop or if you're in a car, you can always plug in. Virtually everything we do in life these days runs on electrical power, right? The water you drink, the food you eat, the transportation that got you to church, on and on and on. The vast majority of us, almost every aspect of our lives, the light, the heat, all controlled by electricity. And it's interesting to me and almost strange to think about the fact that just a few generations ago, just a few generations ago, the world was a radically different place, right? There was no plug on the airplane because there was no airplane and there was no car to drive in. It was an absolutely different world. In fact, if you were going to go from Hartford to Jacksonville, just a few generations ago, the, the last thing on your mind was the size of the tray table, right? You were thinking about, I hope I don't get typhoid fever. I hope bandits don't attack me on the way. I hope wolves don't get me in the middle of the, of the, you know, the, 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 uh, the wilderness. Like it wasn't a three hour journey. It was a three week or a three month or a three year journey. Transportation was so different. The world was so different. And one thought that struck my mind this week as I was preparing for this sermon and looking at Ephesians chapter three is that it's interesting to me that just 200 years ago, the exact same power capacity that exists today existed then. 
The fossil fuels on planet Earth have not dramatically and rapidly increased over the last 200 years. The sun has not gotten, you know, exponentially brighter to allow solar energy to prosper. No, no. Basically, all the resources were there 200 years ago, right? All the basic resources that create the world we know of technology and power, they were there. But what wasn't there is that no one had discovered how to take what's available and connect it to what's needed. You dragging with this so far? No one had figured out how to take what's available and connect it to what's needed. It took a revolution, right? It took men like Edison and it took men like Einstein and, and Franklin and many others who were doing all types of experiments for years and years and years to discover the pathway to take what's available and then connect it to what's needed. And that revolution has changed the way we live. It's created an entirely new way of life. Everybody doing good with my analogy so far? See, the New Testament, I don't know if you've read it, from Matthew all the way to Revelation, the New Testament functionally is a spiritual revolution. That's what it is. It is the writings of people who have been revolutionized by a new supernatural power. A power, of course, that's existed for eternity, but is now connected to the need. In fact, if you read the New Testament in that light, you will find that over 100 times the writers speak of this power, this power that is beyond human capacity. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus says to his disciples, wait in Jerusalem because you will receive power. Three people got it. It's okay. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. Paul says that the whole ministry of the gospel is not of words, but of power. And he says, God hasn't given you a spirit of fear, but he's given you a spirit of power and of love and of self-control all through the New Testament. Luke chapter 10, the scripture says that believers will do miracles and experience healing and overcome Satan by the power that they have been given in Christ. In 2 Corinthians 10, it tells us that you've been given the power, check this out, you've been given the power to change the patterns of thought in your own mind. That the patterns of thought in your own mind do not need to be Lord over you because you now have a power in Colossians 1. It speaks of the power that's been given to you to endure hardship. In 2 Peter 1, it talks about the power that gives you all things pertaining to life and godliness. In fact, I believe that it's impossible to read the New Testament honestly and not come to the simple conclusion that the power beyond human capacity has been promised to every follower of Jesus. And as you hear that, if you're true and if you're honest, there's something inside your heart that longs for it. You say, yes, I long for a power beyond my own capacity. Maybe it's a power to break addiction. Maybe it's a power to overcome fear. Maybe it's a power to get out of depression. Maybe it's a power to get out of debt. Maybe it's a power to stay consistent. Maybe it's a power to experience healing. You say, Justin, I have a need. I have a longing. I have a desire for power beyond human capacity. In fact, I believe it's written on the human soul a longing for this power. And I believe that that longing is there because it exists, not because it does not exist. That longing is there because it exists. And if you're here today and you say, I'm not a follower of Jesus, I don't believe in all this religion stuff, you will find in your own heart a desire for power. That's why there's this innate attraction to spirituality all across the human race. All across the human race, every culture, every tribe, every nation, we see this drawing to spiritual things. Why? Why do 90 something percent 
percent of people believe in some type of God. They believe because your heart knows that this power does in fact exist. Now, the problem is, if we're honest, many of us don't know how to connect the power. We say, you know, I believe in this power. I believe in this strength, but there seems to be a breakdown, right? Between the power I need and the power I experience. There seems to be this disconnect. And too often, this is our experience. We don't experience the power. And so when you're trying to go from Jacksonville or to, from Hartford to Jacksonville, it's not taking you three hours in the spirit. It's taking you three decades in the spirit. And you're here today and you've been battling with the same stuff that you were battling with a year ago, which is the same stuff that you were battling with 10 years ago, which is the same stuff that you were battling with 15 years ago. And I'm here today to tell you that it does not need to be the case. It does not need to be the case. So you came on the right Sunday, right? Because in Ephesians chapter three, what we find is the spiritual equivalent to Thomas Edison's journals. You know, it's the outline for how we take the power that's been made available and connect it to the need that exists in our life. Come on, find somebody else around you and just tell them, I'm going to help you connect. I'm going to help you connect. I'm going to help you connect. See, that's what starts to happen in Ephesians chapter three. The apostle Paul helps us connect. So look at it with me. He answers some questions. The first question he answers is where does this power come from? Do you notice that in verse 16, it says that according to the riches of his glory, he might grant you to be strengthened with power. Did you notice what it said? According to the riches of his glory. The Amplified Bible says, out of the treasury of his glory. God has a treasury. That's an interesting thought. God has a reserve. He has a treasury. And the scripture actually goes as far to tell us approximately how big that treasury of glory is. In Psalm 19... It says it like this. It says the heavens are telling of the glory of God and the expanse of heaven is declaring the work of his hands. In other words, if you look up, not in the room, but if you look up, you'll see a glimpse of the size of God's glory. In other words, God has set up the sky as a picture for you so that you could understand the degree of glory that he has available, all right? And so the skies we know are pretty vast. In fact, scientists tell us that there's about 100 billion, 100 billion, I don't know whose job it was to count that, stars in our galaxy, all right? about 100 billion stars. Now that's impressive, but when we realize that there are about 10 trillion galaxies in the known universe, it gets even more impressive, which tells us that there are more stars in the known universe than there are grains of sand on planet earth. And so this is the expanse that God puts up there just so that you can know how big his glory really is. Now, scientists tell us that the universe itself is constantly expanding. It's forever getting larger. And so scientists cannot find the rim of this great universe because it is always moving further and moving further and moving further. And there is this unknown energy that is stretching the universe and at the same time holding everything in place. So if you want to get a glimpse of God's expansive glory, he says, look up at the skies and realize that God has an infinite reservoir of power. Jot that thought down with me today. God has an infinite 
reservoir of power. This is the expanse. And so when Paul says, according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. What he's saying is according to the expanse of power that is beyond all measurement, that's what he's praying for. Everybody doing good so far? So this power does something to the believer. What does it do? The scripture tells us specifically, look at verse 16 again. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be, what's the next word? Strengthened. It's not that hard. It's all in English. He may grant you to be strengthened with his power. According to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened. So the power that is glorious and beyond expansion or beyond measurement gives me strength. It gives me this strength beyond my capacity. Now, consider with me for a moment just how much strength God has made available. In Colossians 1, it expands this idea. Look at it with me. It says this in Colossians 1. It says, being strengthened with all power according to his glorious might for all endurance and patience with joy. Look at that with me for a second, church. According to his great riches, it says, but this tells us being strengthened with all power, according to, again, this glorious might. So God has a storehouse that is beyond measurement in which he holds all power that is constantly expanding. And now it tells us that in Christ, all that power is made available to me. Ephesians one says it like this. He prays that having your eyes enlightened, you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe according to the working of his great might. In other words, what Paul is trying to tell us is that this power that's been made available to you is not 50%. It's not 20%. God has not made available 1% of his power, though that would seem to be more than enough. Instead, God has made a storehouse that has all power and he has made all that power available to you at immeasurable quantities. Let me try to illustrate this for a moment. I was reading an article recently about Bill Gates. You may know who Bill Gates is, the founder of Microsoft, right? He's done fairly well for himself in the earth. So he's got about $65 billion, excuse me, 85, not 65. It grew this last year, 85 billion dollars in his net worth. Okay. $85 billion. Now the article was saying that if Bill Gates decided that he wanted to spend a million dollars every single day, it would take him 218 years to pay off all of his fortune. Okay. To spend it all. So he's 61, 62 years old. I have a feeling that he's not going to get to it. Right. So let's up the ante. Say he spent $2 million a day. That would take him about a hundred plus years. Say he spent $3 million a day. Now, functionally, you could couldn't even spend $3 million a day. Some of the ladies in the room are like, oh yes, I can, right? (laughs) You could, maybe for a day, maybe for a month. Some of you maybe for six months, but could you do it for 10 years? I mean, by the 20th year, what are you going to buy, right? You already own every piece of clothing ever made by human beings. You've got every shoe ever invented. You've got 50 houses. I mean, there's literally nothing left to buy within 10 years. This would take 100, 150 years for him to spend it all. So functionally, what we have to understand is it is impossible because of the interest that Bill Gates is earning on his money. It is constantly expanding. And so it's impossible for him to spend his entire fortune in one lifetime. He cannot spend the fortune he's acquired. And neither can you. Neither can you. You say, Justin, my bank account doesn't look like Bill Gates. <laughs> See, Bill Gates' money is not going to go with him. It's temporal. 
but the reward that you've been given, this has got to become real to you today. The reward that you've been given far outweighs any temporal blessing. See, you have a source of supernatural power that is so great that you can never deplete its reserves. Why? Why is it so great that I could never deplete its reserves? Here's why. Because God has given you access to his strength. Come on, let that thought sink in for just a moment. God has given you access to his strength. Now, what we discern through this text so far is that certainly God has an infinite reservoir of power, right? According to the riches of his glory, he has an infinite reservoir of power. But now we see is that God has made that infinite reservoir of power fully available to you. So you have full access. Come on, think about this for a second. To his strength. Now, this is for the believer. This is for the follower of Christ. This is for one who's trusted in Jesus. This is what's been made available to you. Now we've considered the size of this power. We've said it's infinite, right? And we've considered also the purpose of this power. It is to strengthen you. But now I want to just take a moment and ask the means in which this power is transferred. Because here's where it gets practical, right? How do I experience this power? How is this power transferred? Well, verse 16, once again, tells us. Take a look at it with me. It says that according to the riches of his glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power through his his spirit. Through his spirit. In other words, there is a unique relationship that has been established between you and the Holy Spirit. And it's through this unique relationship that the infinite reservoir of God's power is transferred into your practical experience. Stay with me today. I am telling you, this has Monday morning application, all right? I'm telling you, it does. There's a transferring agent, and the Bible tells us it's the Holy Spirit through this relationship, through this friendship. A while back, a friend of mine gave me a call, said, Justin, my company has a suite at the monster truck extravaganza at the Harvard Yard Arena in Bridgeport. Do you and your sons want some tickets? And my first response was, absolutely not. Why would I ever want to submit to that? But then I thought about my kids and I thought about being a good dad. And I said, of course, yeah, of course we want tickets. Why would we, why would we not want these incredible tickets? And so, so he hooks me up with some tickets and, and it's great. And he gets them through his company for free. And so it's like, Hey, that's wonderful. A little perk. Right. And so I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate that. So I show up with my two older boys at the monster truck madness thing. And we pull up and there's hundreds of hundreds of people in this arena. Right. And we're pulling up and parking is 10 bucks. Right. And so everybody's flat down the guys for parking and they're, everybody's given money for parking, right? But as everyone else paid for parking, Justin didn't pay for parking. I didn't pay for parking because my friend had parking vouchers, thank you, Lord, right? And so I didn't take out my $10 bill. I took out my piece of paper and I said, even though I don't deserve this and I certainly didn't earn this, let me give you this piece of paper and let you give me a parking space. And so they did. I parked my car. I walked up to the front of the arena with my two sons and everybody else was waiting in line, paying 20, 30, 40, 50 dollars to watch a bunch of big trucks, you know, jump off other trucks and, and everything. And so, and so as they're all waiting, I skip the line and I walk right up into the arena and I hand them my tickets. Now I didn't pay for those tickets. I didn't earn those tickets. I didn't deserve those tickets, but I received them through relationship. And so I walk in with my sons and we go to this side elevator and we're brought up to the third or fourth floor, whatever it might be. And we get out and there's a man at the top and he's got a security vest on. And he says, I'm sorry, I have to see your tickets to let you through. And so I show him this piece of paper that I received from my friend. And he says, Oh, sir, right this way. And he walks me to my suite. Okay. 
I open the door to my suite and everybody else is sitting in these crammed little stadium chairs, but not me. I've got big chairs to sit on with food that I can order and drinks that I can order and a perfect view of the stadium. And I sat down in my comfortable chair and joyfully watched a bunch of big trucks smash into each other for an hour and a half. And it was incredible, but I received it through the relationship I had. It was not my position that earned me that spot. You see that? It instead was someone else's position that I received freely through relationship. Hope you're tracking with this so far because Jesus Christ came so that you could have a new position before God. That was his whole plan. His whole plan was to establish for you a new position. And so he came as the representative of the human race. He lived a perfect life that you could not live. And he died on the cross to purchase your ticket back to God. And when he hung on the cross, the blood that he shed accounted for the sins that you would commit next week by his grace. He forever for all time has extinguished sin from the day you were born to the day you died. He has washed it away in the blood of the cross. And then he conquered death on your behalf, walking out of the grave so that he could inaugurate a new era in human history, an era by which people, amen, people have access to the God who was no and not accessible beforehand. And then he sits down, see this today, at the right hand of the father in heaven, and he sends forth his Holy Spirit. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and the Holy Holy Spirit unites with your spirit when you place your faith in Christ. And it is an unbreakable, supernatural, eternal bond. The Bible describes it as marriage. Just as a man and a woman become one flesh in marriage, so in a far more significant eternal level, your spirit and God's eternal spirit become one spirit when you say yes to Christ and make him your great groom. And so in faith in Christ, now your spirit is united eternally to the very spirit of Jesus so that the, through the position that you did not earn, you now have access to the blessings that belong to his position in heaven. And through relationship, you discover what is yours? Look at what 2 Corinthians 2 says. It says it like this. It says, now we, we have received not the spirit of the world. Look at this. But the spirit who is from God so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. See, maybe you just didn't know. He paid for your parking, put away your wallet. He paid for your ticket. You don't have to wait in that line. He already got you a spot on the third floor. You don't have to stop at that security guard. And you're not going to sit in some uncomfortable chair and have a bad view. He's already given you the perfect view. See, in Christ Jesus, he paid for your salvation in full. He paid for your healing completely. He paid for your deliverance from every oppressor that would ever deli- that would ever try to oppress you. He paid for joy to rule in your heart. He paid for peace to overcome your circumstances. He paid for victory in your life. That's what he paid for. See, the Holy Spirit, jot this thought down, the Holy Spirit transfers heaven's power to your need. This is real. It's going to get real practical. The Holy Spirit transfers heaven's power to your need. That is the agent of transfer, is the relationship with the Holy Spirit. He transfers heaven's power to your need. Now, where is this power transferred to, right? Where is this power transferred to? 
Well, verse 16 once again tells us. Let's look at the whole verse. It says that according to the riches of his glory, remember God has a vast reservoir of glory, he may grant you to be strengthened with power. That's his power. So he gives you access to his power through his spirit. That's the agent of transfer in your inner being. Where is this power transferred to? Wait a minute. Too many of us, we've been looking for a sign in the heavens. We've been looking for a bolt of lightning. We've been looking for a cloak of power to fall upon us. Some of us, we've been looking for a message in the sky or a particular feeling in our emotions. But what if the power you've been waiting for is already on the inside? What if the power to break that addiction already resides within you and you've been asking God for something he's already given? What if the power to forgive that person that wronged you already resides in your inner being and all you have to do is receive what's already yours? What if the power to endure that trial already exists within you and God does not give you a trial that he does not give you power to endure? What if the power to experience that miracle already resides within you? What if the power to reign in the situation that faces you right now already exists in your inner being. See, God's power already resides within you. It already resides within you. That's what the text is trying to teach us. Come on, let this truth sink in. The power that you've been crying out for is already yours. Well, you say, well, that's kind of good news, I think, but why don't I feel it, right? Why don't I feel that power? If you're telling me that the power is already mine, how do I connect, right? That's the title of this sermon. Help me connect. If this power really is available like you say, Justin, I'm certainly not feeling it in the moment of temptation. I'm certainly not experiencing it in the midst of the trial. I'm certainly not feeling that surge of power. Instead, I'm crying out to God, shaking my fist, saying, would you please help me? And there doesn't seem to be a connection. I've got to figure out how do I connect what's been made available to the need? It feels like there's been a disconnect. How do I connect? Well, the answer is a whole lot easier than you might think. It tells us just in the next verse. Look at verse 16 with me one more time. It says that according to the riches of his glory, God may grant you to be strengthened with power through his spirit in your inner being. Look at the next verse. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through through faith. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. I don't know if you caught it in the prayer Paul prayed in Ephesians chapter 1. He said, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you may experience the power of God. But he says it specifically like this, so that you may know what is the immeasurable greatness of his power. Toward who? Toward us who believe. Toward us who believe. See, the connection is far more simple than you may think. Faith connects the power you need to the power you already have. 
I said faith connects the power you need. Oh, it's coming on right now. The lights are turning on inside your soul. Faith connects the power you need, church, to the power you already have. God has already put inside you the immeasurable vast riches of his glorious power to break the cycle of sin and set you free from the oppressor. And it's faith that connects the power you need to the power you already have. You've just got to know it. You've just got to know it. Imagine with me for a moment that today Bill Gates is riding his bicycle in one of his 17 houses that he has. And as he's driving around on his street that he owns, he's riding his bicycle with $85 billion in the bank and he trips and he falls and he bonks his head. And no longer does he remember that he's Bill Gates. And he stands up and he says, what's my name? Who am I? And he begins to live and he disconnects himself from all the people he knew and all the people that knew him. And he begins living living in poverty, living on the streets, going from place to place, trying to exist, always just barely surviving. Days go by, weeks go by, months go by, years go by. He's spending the last years of his life in poverty, broken and without access to anything because he's forgotten who he is. And then one day, maybe through a strange course of events, he finds in amidst his things, a bank statement. And he looks at it and he goes, wait a minute. Wait, that has my name on it. Hold on a second. This, this, whoa. This bank statement says that Bill Gates has $85 billion in the bank. Is it possible that all along I've had this and didn't know? Is it possible that all along this was available and I never accessed it? Wait just a moment here. This has been available all along. Let me read you today your bank statement. Can I do that? I want to read you today the bank statement that you need to rediscover because it's yours. Look at what the scripture says. The bank statement in Second Peter chapter one, it says this, it says God's divine power has given us, look at the next phrase, everything we need for a godly life. It's given us everything we need through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. What? Everything you need just by knowing that it's there. He's given you everything you need. Second Corinthians 10. It says the weapons we fight with are not the weapons of this world. On the contrary, we have, there it is again, divine power to demolish strongholds. We demolish arguments and every pretense that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. We take captive every thought and make it obedient to Christ. In other words, you have authority over the thoughts in your mind. You say, no, I don't. Yes, you do. He's given you divine power that enables you to do what you're unable to do on your own. First Corinthians 10, you say, Justin, I'm battling this temptation. I keep falling into it. Well, look at what you already have. It says no temptations overtaken you, but that which is common to man. God is faithful. He will not let you. You better circle that in your Bible. He will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. That's what the scripture says. That's your bank statement. Look at what it says in Romans chapter eight. It says, and we know, you better know, because if you don't know, it's going to destroy you. We know that God causes, he causes it, all things to work together for good, for those who love God and are called according to his purpose. I think Jesus wasn't kidding in Mark chapter nine, verse 23, when he said, all things are possible to him who believes, to him who believes, to him who believes. What about you? What about you? What about you? Come on, stand to your feet with me today. I want to invite you 
Come on, I want to invite you into a new way of living. That's how serious we are right now. I want to invite you into a new way of living. To become a people, to become a church, to become an individual who has learned every day to rely on the power within. On the power within. I'm here to help you connect today. Faith connects the power you need to the power you already have. Just take the step to believe, to believe, to believe. Look at me just for a moment. Every location, North Campus, Middletown, Bridgeport, Hartford, here in New Haven. You're here today. And if you're honest, you say, Justin, I've been living my life in my own strength. I'm far from God. And I don't have that peace. I don't have faith in Christ. Right now, this is your time to surrender. See, this power is not available to all, but it is available to whosoever will believe. See, those that do not believe in Christ, those that have not placed their faith in Christ live disconnected from the divine power of God. But those who believe in Christ, and it's not just for the elite, it's not just for the smart, it's not just for the tall or for the rich or for the wealthy or for the intelligent. No, 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 no. It's for whosoever, whosoever, whosoever would believe. Believe in Christ today. First, you must believe that there is a God who exists, that he exists and the heavens declare his glory, by the way, they've been shouting your whole life that he's real. And then you must believe that what he says about you is true, that you in fact do have a disease called sin and that disease separates you from God. It's that disease that leads you to pride, that swells your insecurity, that causes you to be afraid. That disease of sin lives so deep in your heart that it's intertwined with your very being and you cannot shake it. No matter how many good deeds you do, it will never be broken that way. And so God in his infinite wisdom devised a plan to rid you of the disease by becoming man himself, living the life you could not live, dying the death you deserve to die, exchanging his life for yours so that in his justice, all the wrath that you deserve because of sin could be emptied out upon his son and all the blessing that Christ deserves because of righteousness could be given to you for free. Jesus rose from the dead to prove that the debt was paid in full and he now offers you new life to all who will believe. You cannot earn it, you don't deserve it, but if you will place your faith in Christ, run to Jesus and surrender your heart to him right now, his spirit will come into you Your spirit and his will become one. He'll give you eternal life, peace that passes all understanding, joy that goes beyond the things of this world, and power beyond human capacity. Would you close your eyes just for a moment right now, all across this room and all of our campuses? Are you right with God? This is your moment right now. If you've been far from God, please, please, please do not miss this moment to turn to Jesus Christ. Do not miss this moment to open up your heart to God because this moment's for you. Say, Justin, I've been playing a game for a long time and I've been living my life far from God. On the count of three, I'm gonna ask you just to raise your hand as a symbol of surrender. Raising our hands does two things. First, it shows surrender. People raise their hands when they're surrendering, right? I surrender. 
Second, that's what you do when you have victory. You raise your hand when you're victorious. And so right now, right here, on the count of three, if you say, I need to turn my life over to Christ, I need to place my faith in him, today's my day to surrender fully to Jesus. I want to give you opportunity to do that. One, two, three. Stick up your hand. That's you. That's you. That's you. That's you. God bless 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 you. All of our campuses, every location. God bless you. Just keep it up for a second. Just another second. God bless you. God bless you. This is your day. This is your day. You can put your hands down. Let's pray this prayer. I just want to encourage every person in the room to pray this prayer. Pray it out loud. If you've placed your faith in Christ, if you've trusted him, pray it again as a support to every person here. Just say, Jesus, I surrender. I believe you died for my sin and you rose again. And right now, I receive new life. Wash me, make me new. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Today, I cross the line and place my faith in you. Thank you for receiving me now. Amen. Amen. I believe that God has a supernatural deposit of strength for everyone who will believe today. And so I just want to encourage you that today is your day to cross the line to say, I believe that what I need for the need I have, I already have in Christ. I believe that everything I need for the need that I have, I already have it in Christ. And so we're going to sing at all of our campuses. We're going to sing together today and we're going to worship the name of Jesus. And as we sing together, I want you to receive by faith the power you need for the need that you have. All right. I want you to receive by faith today, the power you need for the need that you have. God, I thank you that your word tells us that you've already given us the power we need, that it is transferred through your spirit in our inner being. And so Lord, I pray right now by your grace, enable our faith to connect the power we need to the power that we already have. Fill our hearts, God, with faith today. In Jesus' mighty name, we lift it up in song.